Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to One Media, One Media, where you take two pieces of the media and we get all goth about it. That's right. It's goth month. And it's not your goth month. It's my goth month. With me, I have Santos <laughs> and I am Takeshi. <laughs> For goth month, we're going to pick a goth anime and a goth album, and we're just going to kind of tear into them. And if we don't get to your favorite goth album or anime, we'll get to it maybe next year or the following year. So I'm not too worried about it. I don't think goth should stick to one month. But <laughs> Oh, my God. I live a goth year, so we might get some more stuff come back. <laughs> True. COVID could kind of be like a goth year. Can't go out much, staying up all night, listen to kind of dark music. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> so we are going to talk about Holic, but it actually is called Holic. And the XXX means fill in the blank. Oh. So like alcoholic oh. or... Workaholic. Exactly. Okay. So that's what it means. I don't know if that makes it any clearer, though. No, it does sound like kind of like some type of porn or hentai thing, and but <laughs> that's what it was supposed to mean. It also doesn't feel like a show about addiction, so... What do you mean? A lot of the people that are helping out are addicted or like kind of... <laughs> We'll get into that. <laughs> I guess not in the classic sense. But no, no. It's no. not like it's a show on rehabs. That's all. Like, no, when you think no. alcoholic, you're like, oh, whatever. <laughs> That's all I meant. Yeah. It doesn't, but I get what they're saying, kind of, but it's an odd title. Yeah, it is an odd title, but it's definitely worth it. Okay, so let's get into the deets. It is written and illustrated by Clamp, and Clamp is a anime group or a manga group, and it's all female, and it consists of four women, and they've written so many different mangas. It's unreal because there's four of them, and they. Is it like a club? Yes, it's an illustration. And then do group. they do different things? One writes or draws? No, they all kind of do a little bit. So it seems, but let's get into what they've done. Tokyo Babylon, which is pretty well known. Subasa Chronicles, Chobits. They've done so much. I mean, the last thing they've been working on is Card Captor, Sakura, Clear Card. And where does XXXHolic land? Like what year? Okay, we'll get into that. Sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm inquisitive. So it was released 2003 and it ended in 2016. The manga did. So the anime, uh, it came out in 2006 and ended in 2008. And there is 37 episodes. I guess we're missing some. And there's four OVAs. There's also a novel, which was released in 2006. And it was also illustrated and written by Clamp. And there is a live-action TV series, which was released in 2013. And there's only eight episodes of that. So there is another series that coincides with this, which is really trippy. And it's Subasa Chronicles. And Yuko actually is in that series, too. Oh, it's like the same world. Same world. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, I really want to see that one now. We might have to yeah. 
if it's goth enough, we'll check it out. <laughs> yeah, well, Yuko is goth, so... Yeah. So when we decided to do goth month, I didn't choose this one beforehand, but it's pretty goth already. It's a little dark and Yuko is a witch or a priestess of some sort, but they never really tell you that in any way. But she practices magic is the only thing you kind of know. So we'll go into a quick plot. It's about this high school kid named Watanuki, and he's always being followed by spirits ever since he was a kid, and then his legs just made him walk to this house, and it was Yuko's house. He doesn't know why his legs forced him over there, but he just happened to go over there, and she grants wishes, and his wish was to get rid of, it was to not be able to see spirits ever again, or get the spirits off his back. She grants it, but the spirit goes on to someone else, and it really kind of irritates him. I think somehow, how do you actually end up working for her? Oh, because she doesn't grant wishes for free. So she has certain payments and her payments are up to her. Like what she feels is what would equal out. But I also think she just wants him around. Like there's something about him that she seems to want. So he works for her, like cooking and cleaning. I think she was supposed to help him handle the spirits in a way. Because he obviously has like a special power, right? Exactly. And then she always makes him and his arch nemesis, Domiki, go out and do things together. Domiki is very calm, collective. I guess he's very athletic and everything. Where Watanagi is very erratic and kind of expressive. But he's very compassionate. And he's always in love with this girl named Himawari. I don't know, really know about her. She's just kind of there and very supportive in a way. But it seems like there's a little bit more to her than that they explain. But that's the whole entire series. It never really explains everything. Some episodes don't even really conclude. It just ends. How far did you watch? Not very far. <laughs> but I have to say the first episode, I was like, this is kind of weird. And it is. It's witchy. It's got like a mystical element. So that's why I think it's a very good fit for the theme. <laughs> and the animation is, it's not simple, but it's weird. Like people are really tall or they're really short. And they're very lanky too when they're yeah. tall. Like they have these extremely long legs like Lupin the Third. Yeah. And so it's proportionally not correct at all. But and at first I was like, oh, is animation not as good as another one? I was like, no, it's just a different style. So it's just a different style. And then I was intrigued, but not super grabbed. And then the second one, I was kind of like, oh, what's his face is so annoying because he is erratic (laughs) and emotional and just really flying off the handle all the time. Whereas Yuko is chill. Yeah, she's very super chill. Very beautiful. Mm -hmm. Has all this knowledge. Yeah, drinks a lot. She has all this knowledge, but doesn't ever seem like she's going to tell... Uh, Watanagi too much. Yeah. Which maybe she's right though, because if she tells him too much, he'll just flip out. Yes. So then I was like, I'll watch another one. And when I hit the third episode, I was like, oh, now it's getting good. So I would just tell people (laughs) in there because now I want to watch more. I've gotten to like five or six. It just gets more interesting. It's kind of like vignettes. So it's not building to a really big story because her house is kind of also a shop so people go to her so where you keep meeting new people and they go on different adventures and i like his 
friend slash nemesis. <laughs> Domiki, he kind of makes yeah. it because he's just so mellow. Yeah, they're like opposites. They're like the odd couple. So that was kind of by episode three, he's more in there. And then the relationships start deepening and you're like, oh, okay, so... Because at first you're not sure what Yuko's doing either because he seems so irritated with her. So you're like, what's going on? (laughs) And by the third one, you're like, oh, okay. She's in control of the situation. Wait, so did you get to the little Fox restaurant yet? So good. Yeah, that was good. And there's really fun elements of magic and what a fortune teller is and what they aren't and how you can fake things or like how to find the real deal. Yeah. And the thing about the anime is Yuko is always what you kind of expect who are psychics or kind of the mistresses or priestesses or whatever you want to call them, what you expect them to be. Yeah. And then she goes far and beyond. And then she's funny because she likes to party and eat food. and She's a total alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. And unfortunately, I read the whole entire plot on Wikipedia, and I kind of ruined it for myself. I might have to read the manga now to like get to all of it, because this is only a small portion of pretty much just the beginning. We're watching this on Funimation, so how many episodes are available? I didn't look. I think it was 20-something, 24. But there's probably like 30. 37, supposedly. Wow. And then they wrote this for years. So there's probably yes. a lot more content. Yes. It gets really crazy. And the Subaka Chronicles also kind of explain Yuko a little bit more. Okay. That sounds cool. Yeah. So I'm really curious what happens throughout that whole entire thing. It's an easy watch, too. Every episode's about 23-ish minutes or so. It kind of just goes by. You go, what the f*** did I just watch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny when you talk about it out loud. And it's like, what's this about? And you're like, yeah, these spirits. And then his legs take him to this place. I'm like, oh, great. Like, what? <laughs> but that's what <laughs> but really But when happens. you watch it, it makes sense. <laughs> so you need the animation. It makes total sense. It's very interesting. Yeah, the animation looks simple because it came out in, what, 2006. But at the same time, it's really cool. And I like how Watanagi's... Uh, like kind of frame or whatever. Everybody's all gray. Yeah. Yeah, the background people. Yeah, the people Mm -hmm. are all gray and it's just him in color. That's really interesting. Yeah, I did notice that. I liked that. Yeah. And then I was also, it just made me think, oh, like how has animation changed? I was like, I need to look up. Is there different styles? Do they call them different ways? Draw? And it just made me think of that because I forget what we watched last, but it was very differently rendered. So. I can't remember what we watched last either. I don't know if it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we wa- oh, we watched A Whisker Away. Oh, um, let's not talk about that one. <laughs> well, but if you think about Paranoia Agent, the animation's completely different. Like, it's insane. So I was like, oh, is it choice? Or like you just said, is it just older? Yeah. So it's a different style was popular at that point, And then it just keeps developing. Yeah, I guess Clamp just decided to make these characters like this and make this whole entire world. I don't know what Subaka Chronicles is like just yet, but maybe they're all like that too. And Chobit, that's a really weird series too. I don't know if you've seen that one yet. No. It's about this guy who falls in love with a kind of a pleasure doll. <laughs> he found it in the dump. And it's actually way <laughs> smarter than all the other robot 
pleasure dolls. Uh-huh. And so she kind of slowly regains her memory and stuff and gets smarter and smarter. But that's in the same world, I think, too, supposedly. But it's maybe in the future. <laughs> they do a little nod in there. Remember those headphones that he had to wear? Yeah. That's from Chobits. That's what the oh. robot girl looked like. She had those weird ears. Oh, see, that's kind of cool that they have this collective of artists and then they've got their little inside stuff into each of theirs. That's kind of neat. So I would recommend this for anybody during Halloween, but you're right. You should give it a couple episodes. To me, it just sucked me in because I loved the way it looked. It didn't look like just some computer generated. I know there's something artistic about it or whimsical. It was nice. I'm going to continue watching it. Yeah, I'm going to complete it. I got to find the manga now. And then one day we have to watch a live action oh, of one of these. Yes, I'd love to. I'd totally be into Is that it. on Funimation? Do they I have- doubt it. We'd have to find it somehow. Okay. That would be pretty interesting to watch. But my sister's reading the manga right now, too. And she says it's really, really good. And if you read through the Wikipedia, it'll ruin what happens in the plot, but I wouldn't recommend reading through it. Okay. (laughs) We'll have to have your sister do like a little segment. (laughs) Right, right. Did you watch it with Bart? What do you think of it? Pass. He didn't like it. I think it's (laughs) because Watanugi's too loud. He's too erratic. (laughs) Yeah. And the animation's simple and kind of whimsical. Yeah. So it doesn't draw him in. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I like the the story. I like mystical things. I like witchy yeah. stuff, and so that it was so, totally like, down your the, alley. That type of topic, totally. That's fun to me. So. And they have all these weird little characters, people who visit Yuko, and Watanagi always has to go out and do the chore or the job for her. It's so funny. My favorite too was the New Year's one. I don't know if you saw that one yet. So good. With the girl with the purple hair? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, one I think that was next for you. That one's really good. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and they have, she has these two other people who live with her, those girls. Moru and Maru. Yeah. They're strange. Yes. They're, they're tiny. Very strange. They're like doll people. Very strange. I don't know if you gotten that far, but they can't leave the house. Oh, is that the deal? Okay. Because, yeah, I'm like, they're kind of mysterious because they're cute. They kind of, like, speak at the same time or seem very childlike. And then her drinking buddy, that weird black rabbit thing. Um, Madoki. Yeah, it's so cute. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but he's actually way more powerful than you expect him to be. I liked that game they played. Yeah, that was so good. Where you say an animal, and then you have to say another animal, but the last letter is the first letter. It's like that game. I thought that was so fun. I was like, I want to play that game. Right. (laughs) The topic could be anything. Vegetables, fruits, animals. That's what they were doing. That was was so funny. And the fox child was like, I want to play that game too. Okay, go ahead and pick the subject. Uh, animals. <laughs> <laughs> that was cute. That was cute. So there's some fun stuff. And they have all these weird things in there, like pipe foxes and all this other stuff. And there's spirits. That one episode, Angel. That one gets a little creepy, but it's never too creepy. If you're a horror fan, it's not going <laughs> to do it for you. <laughs> it's not a slasher. 
<laughs> in any way. No, it's not that stressful either. Like, it's never really that suspenseful. If you're, like, really into dark stuff, this is not. Some of it does get a little bit dark, but it doesn't ever get to this point where, like, wow, I think I need to take a break from this. I almost binged watched the whole entire thing. Yeah, it's easy. So go ahead and check out Holic. You got our permission. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. These short teasers are excerpts from comedian Aiden Park's book, The Art of Being Yay. Think self-empowerment with a comedic twist. These are tough times we're all going through. Who couldn't use a little mental health wellness and laughter? For more of The Art of Being Yay, visit AidenPark.com. That's A-I-D-A-N-P-A-R-K dot com. Sponsored by The Laugh Cellar and Storygram Podcast Network. Reticular activating system will delete, distort, and generalize all incoming information to match the belief that you already hold. It is a scary, powerful part of your brain. And that is why it's so important to be really aware of your belief systems. Because if you are not aware of your belief systems, then the reticular activation system will work anyway. Well, a lot of us go through life like we make up our minds about what we believe to be true and we just look for evidence of that being true to strengthen our pre-existing beliefs. Where actually many of us are not open to new incoming information. If you're not aware of this pattern, then you'll just go strengthening beliefs that you already hold. And this is where fake news comes from. Because people already have decided that they know something for sure. And so any information that comes in that is contrary to what they're already holding is considered fake news. Fake news. And we are back to kick off Goth Month in the music department. We are going to talk about Sisters of Mercy first and last and always, which is their first album. Sisters of Mercy is kind of a trippy band. This album was released in March 11th, 1985, and it was recorded from June to November of 84. It was recorded at Strawberry Studios and Genetic Studios in England. It is about 46 minutes, and the producer is David Allen. He also has helped out with The Cure, The Mission, The Damned, psychedelic furs so he's done some stuff the name sisters of mercy it comes from a song by leonard cohen sisters of mercy so they're kind of inspired by that so before this album they released i think four singles and that gave them enough money to go into the studio over at strawberry studios and they rented it out for five weeks i guess during that time, it drove Gary Marks crazy because Andrew was just so paranoid about his lyrics and he kept on redoing it over and over and over again. And according to David Allen, Andrew was doing a bunch of meth and oh. they said amphetamine, but yeah. methamphetamine. He would just do a bunch of meth and he would stay up all night recording and was never satisfied with the recordings. So I guess they took it over somewhere else and they recorded it over there too and they finally finished it. But in turn, it Gary Marks so much, he ended up leaving the band. So 
who is the original lineup? Okay, so Andrew Eldritch did all the singing. Gary Mars, he did the guitars. And then there was Wayne Husey. I think he played guitars and bass too. And then they have a, a drum machine, which they call Dr. Avalanche. <laughs> and it is an Oberheim DMX, which is a pretty legendary drum machine. Okay, Sisters of Mercy always just goes through a lot of different band members, Andrew does. There's like this, this long list, and it always ends up in some type of lawsuit of who wrote what and all this other He sounds difficult. A little difficult. I don't know if we're ever going to do a little deep dive into a Sisters of Mercy album, but, so I'll just get into this right now. He hasn't released anything since the last album, which was in 1990. Because he doesn't want to release anything, he's just fully against record labels. When he decided to tour again in 97, he shopped his music and he just said that the record labels just thought he was nothing. And so he figured he's making more money doing live shows now. These poor fans are collecting all the untitled stuff and they're naming it themselves and they're uploading it to YouTube. Is he creating new music but oh, he yeah. just does live shows? He just does live shows. He just shows. doesn't record any of it. It's recorded probably. He doesn't release any of it. And nowadays he can self-publish your own shit. It's pretty easy. Yeah. I guess he has a lot of animosity against his record label. There was a time when he toured with Public Enemy. <laughs> Talk about an odd couple. Yeah. But a lot of venues turned him down because of Public Enemy and they didn't want a hip-hop group in their town. And this is in America. I believe it. And also, the problem is, too, is that this is one of the reasons why he has so much animosity towards record labels, is that because he was touring with Public Enemy to support the new album, the record label wouldn't really promote it as much. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. It's an odd matchup, first of all. But then it also makes me think, what years was that? That was in 90-something, like 91 or so. Yeah, I feel like at that point there wasn't... I don't know, I could be just thinking about this in a weird way. But I feel like people who were punk rock and goth and everything also appreciated hip-hop because it was radical and was like groundbreaking music. So I could see them touring. It seems like a cool idea. Yeah, because you're all outsiders, so it's like you band together and support each other. So that's kind of a cool thing that was going on. Right. They actually had to cancel the tour early due to low ticket sales. But that would have been such an epic tour. Yeah, and it's probably a low ticket sales because no one was promoting them. Exactly. Because I guess when you release a new record, the record label was supposed to also put in some money for advertisement, and they didn't for the tour. I guess he swore he would never release anything ever again. (laughs) And he has stuck to that. He really, he has. (laughs) It's so sad, because I think he could have been as big as, like, say, The Cure or something along that line, Susie and the Banshees. I mean... They are big. They are big in this kind of weird underground sense, but they could have been bigger. They could have been way more well-known. And at their peak, he just couldn't do it. Also, he's always tearing through band members left and right. I know. I think about Patricia Morrison, who was so good. And I think he was like a jerk (laughs) to her. And you're like, geez. Oh, yeah. I think she was in the other album, uh, Floodland, right? 
Yeah. So you listen to more Sisters of Mercy too? No, I've known of Floodland and okay. Vision Thing, but I didn't ever listen to this album. Oh, this album's incredible. I just had read like an interview with Patricia Morrison, and I don't think she slams him, but I feel like there was tension there. Yeah, she sued him for some rights of the songs on Floodland. He was like, she just sang a couple notes. She didn't do anything else. So she didn't get a writer's credit. She just got like a performance credit. <laughs> you know. I think he's used to being the artist. I think music is more collaborative than he realizes. I guess not to him. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it doesn't really matter because when you look at the three albums he has, it doesn't have any of the same members except for him. And all the three albums are pretty good. They're all completely different. This one's cool because the guitarist, Gary Marks, he uses a 12-string electric guitar throughout the whole entire thing. So it has this really interesting sound to it. When I listen to it now after reading through the whole entire Wikipedia and doing some research on it, it does sound pretty meticulous. And Marianne, before it was... Marianne, it was called Wide Receiver, and it was an inspiration of football. American really? Football. Yep. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. It's when he came over and he saw football. He's like, what the f*** is this? First of all, I liked the album. So <laughs> I liked it. I was excited about Sisters of Mercy because I liked the other two albums, and I didn't ever thought to look up if there's any more. And I was excited because it sounded... I know you said each one sounds different, but there's a sound that is the same that he keeps up, like a classic sound that I love. And yeah, kind of like this nostalgic goth sound. Yeah, and it's not dated, it's classic, it's perfect. Well, when you think about it's over 30 years old, and it still stands the time. It I does. thought it wasn't going to, actually. No, and also, <laughs> this was what happened was, I was like, oh, I'm listening to Sisters of Mercy, and then Bart was like, which album? And I said it first and last and always, and he's like, oh, that one. And that's his really? least favorite out of the three, because he thought it was their newest one, like they went downhill. So then he had to look it up, and he's like, oh, it's their first album. They just kept getting better. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I think this is one of my favorite ones of the I liked trilogy. it a lot. Yeah, so I wasn't, yeah. I don't have like a, oh, this one's definitely more better than the other. I had to have to listen to all of them again. I like him because they all kind of, he just has like a signature sound. That That's very know, true. Right? So. I like No Time to Cry.
to mention that in this album he has a very very deep voice and he uses it throughout the album it almost sounds unreal and it's probably just because he's really close to the mic and he's able to kind of do that he's not really able to do that live he actually i think a lot of these songs sound a lot better live and stuff oh when have you seen him i saw him in 97 so after all these lawsuits and all this other stuff, he decided to go on tour again. And it was really cool. I think I even have a recording of it, too. Someone brought in a tape deck, and he pirated the show. <laughs> we need a clip. We need to yeah, post a clip. I think it's actually <laughs> in that thing of CDs of yours. Oh, you mean three, four moving boxes. Okay. (laughs) I'll start looking into the archives. (laughs) Didn't I give you Vision Thing last? Probably. I picked two favorite songs. So that was one. And my other one is First and Last and Always. Oh, that one's so good. It's so good. Also, want to mention, I don't know if anybody has been to a goth club before. You're always going to hear Sisters of Mercy, and you're always going to hear at least something from this album or Floodland. No matter what. How many goth clubs have you been to? None? Um, You've never been to a goth club together? I've been... Um, I don't think I've got... Like, the Death only Guild? one... Or Bondage go go been to Death Guild. Uh, which is, like, horrible because, like, my teacher is queen of death guild 
Oh, so my like, and I'm like in the goth belly dance world, so I'm around Death Guild people. You're kind of, but it's like out. a Monday. It's like Monday nights, is it? Or it Mon- what? Oh. Yeah, it's like I work. I don't work at night, but I work in the morning, <laughs> so it's like hard to do. Yeah, I think it used to be Fridays. I remember going there after shows. Mm, after, because it's like at the DNA, right? Um, it used to be at that one place. Let me think here. It used to be at, you know, that one place that shut down that was, when you go inside, it looks like a ship. It closed down. Oh my goodness. I can't remember the name of it for the life of me, but it closed down in like 2002. The Marina, the... Yeah. (laughs) Look it up. And then it was at the DNA Lounge for a long time. And then I feel like there's a goth night that opened up in Oakland in... Okay. Downtown, not that long ago, but now everything's been in shutdown, but that's the last. I think by the time you might have been interested in going to a goth club, I was so anti-goth in my mid-20s and early 30s. <laughs> I, was trying to, I was trying to like ignore that part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm done. <laughs> oh, no, never. <laughs> yeah, it just never made it. I think I was into more loud music. I right. wasn't into goth yet. As I mean, it was always woven in, but I wasn't going. I mean, like Rasputina would be the closest to the shows and stuff. Yeah, they're chamber it's rock. It's not really goth. Yeah. You know, they played at Death Guild before, too. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. There's some crossover there. There but, is a lot of crossover. Yeah. Like, she doesn't like steampunk, but I think she'll accept goth more. But I think that's more because Marilyn Manson remixed one of her songs. So she was instantly jumped in. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you my favorite songs here. Yes. Instantly, it's Marianne. With a woman's name. Yes. A floodland. There's Emma. And then they have another one and not I guess not in Vision Thing though. Oh, I thought Lucretia. Oh, He's yeah, you're right. About, right? You are right, but I think Lucretia is in Floodland. It oh. is. Yes. Yes. Uh and then my other favorite song is some kind of stranger. I'm just a hopeless romantic. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help it.
song i love the end part too though that's my favorite part come here i think you're beautiful I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah so cute yeah i love it it's great so the one of the songs is called amphetamine logic so did he understand his own issues that he was using too much i forgot to go over that so yeah a lot of it is inspired by his drug use and his separation with a, one of his girlfriends. So yes, he was uh, okay. aware of it. Because <laughs> I didn't know that until you said that he was like redoing all those songs and driving people crazy because of his meth use. And I'm like, oh yeah, but I thought it was weird that one was a song was called that. And then also, oh, was he calling himself out too? So he knew there was a problem. Like, yeah, during the recording when they went to the second studio, he was staying up all night recording. And just doing it over and over and over again that he passed out and he was hospitalized for a little bit because he was just all high on meth and dehydrated and stuff. Yeah, they don't drink enough water. Yeah. I sent you a link to them playing live during this era. So it was 1985. And yeah, Andrew Eldridge needed to eat a pork chop or something. <laughs> He's skinny. <laughs> he was anorexic. Oh. Poor guy. So because he wasn't yeah. eating, he was just doing a bunch of meth and stuff. Also, makes sense why people didn't work with him for very long. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make you a great, no. easygoing person. Not <laughs> you know, at you're all. all high, hopped up. <laughs> right. No sleep. That makes you crazy. Yeah, it must have been pretty tough. But everybody should check out this album. I don't think it's as easy to listen to as a Cure album or say a Susie and the Banshees album or something along that line. But I think it is pretty quintessential goth. It is. And it, I think it's easy. People, I right when I hear it, I just smile. It's just like such fun. It's energetic. It's great. I know I said this already, but I didn't think it was going to sound as good as it does. And we weren't listening to a remastered version or anything like that. And also, you know, you have the CD too. Mm -hmm. I do. In your collection. In the archives. In the archives. <laughs> in the goth archives. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put them out on a shelf. One of these days. Yeah. No, really. Bart's like, I don't want these all in these boxes all the time. And I'm like, I know. So he's giving me some, some shelf space. So we're going to go through them. <laughs> oh, okay. So by the way, if people don't know, I was going to store away all my... CDs because I knew some of them had scratches on it and stuff. And I didn't know what I was going to do with it, really. So Elaine said, oh, I'll take them. 
it, I don't think she knew how many CDs I had because I had quite a few, three boxes full. Yeah, and no, it was more like, "Hey, do you still listen to CDs?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And he's <laughs> it like, was. Do up. you want my CD collection? And I was like, "All right." And then he just shows up with so many CDs. I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what happened. Because you went digital. Oh, okay. I thought it was the other way around, where I was just like, "This." And you're like, "I'll take a." <laughs> I think inside your head, you're probably like, how do you get rid of all these CDs? Yeah. And I probably said something like, oh, I bought a new CD. And you're probably like, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I like CDs still. <laughs> I assume you're right <laughs> about that one. Yes. So, yeah. So I have this collection of his CD collection from a very certain time period, though. So Weird. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's like from early 90s or. <sighs> Maybe late 80s till 2003 or something. Yeah. (laughs) Around there, right? Yeah. I have to catalog them or something. Yeah. And I think I was starting to get more into hip hop or something. So you have this collection of like Cole Keith (laughs) and stuff. Anyway, so we'll go back to first and last and all these. So whenever you mention this collection, that's what we're talking about. Yes, and just one, Sisters of Mercy, amazing. So I don't know. Everyone should like them. If you're like me and only listen to Floodland and Vision Thing, add this one to the mix because it's just as good. You see, this was the first one I got into because my friend made me a mixtape and she added Marianne. I was like, I need Marianne. Marianne's the one that I always always hear at these goth clubs. I went for this one and then went for Floodland later. And then I think I bought Vision Thing, and then I gave it to you <laughs> to put in the collection. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, here, good. just put this in the collection here. I need, this needs to be in there. They're all good. I do wish he would just release his own music on, say, Bandcamp, so people can kind of enjoy the newer songs that aren't just recorded with somebody's phone or do you have links to those on YouTube? Do people post them? People post them. I swear it's crazy. And some people create collections and they all have to name it something because they don't know the names of the songs or anything. Wow. I want to hear some of those just to see what I know good. it's not good quality, but yeah. They're actually really good. It's along the line of Sisters of Mercy. Like I said, I wish he would have just kept on going. So the guitarist who left, I think he left and started this band called The Mission. And it's good, but it's not as good as Sisters of Mercy, unfortunately. Bart was saying something about another band called like Sisters or Sisterhood or... Yes. Who was in that one? So Sisterhood was... It's The Mission, pretty much. Okay. Basically, the guitarist and the bassist left Sisters of Mercy and... They were going to call it Sisterhood, but I think there was a label too that Andrew Eldridge was going to call it Sisterhood before he got signed to a major label. And so he wanted to own that name. And then out of spite, they just called it Sisterhood, but they ended up changing it to The Mission. Okay. And then last question. Have you heard the Leonard Cohen song? Sisters of Mercy? Yeah. How do you find it right now? Yeah. (laughs) You've never listened to that. All the sisters of mercy, they are not departed or gone. 
They were waiting for me when I thought that I just can't go on. And they brought me their comfort, and later they brought me this song. Uh, that's pretty interesting. This when Leonard Cohen was still singing instead of singing like this the whole entire time. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to dive into it one of these days. Mm-hmm. Some of it's pretty good. But yeah, so that's how they got the Sisters of Mercy. It didn't sound as dark as I thought it would. Because <laughs> some of Leonard Cohen's stuff's pretty dark. And this one yeah. sounded like a folk song. So I thought, oh, maybe it was a really dark song. And Nope. I'll have to listen to it in full and see. <laughs> that is a nope. <laughs> That was interesting. You know, maybe I take back he would have been as big as the care, but maybe Nick Cave. He would have been that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's his choice. But do the fans a favor. Yeah. <laughs> Come Very on. Nice. Anyway, check it out. And I'll see you next week on Goth Month. You could find me on Facebook at Glitch Unicorn or Glitch Unicorn on all the other social medias. Santos. I'm on Instagram as Sister Santos. All right. Next week. Bye. <laughs>